You're listening to a Mash Those Buttons podcast. Visit mashthosebuttons.com for a full podcast schedule. Guardian. Guardian. Welcome to In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. Today's show, In Orbit number 33. Choo choo! Hype Train is real! And with me, as always, is my co host David. What's up, everybody? My name is Jorge. And today's show, we're going to be discussing Rise of Iron again. The Iron Banner returns for the last time, question mark, in year two. And we preview the PvP mode cavalcade that is going to be coming in the next episode, I should say. But before we even get into any of that, um, I've been talking about this for some time, but we are now live. This coming September will be my seventh anniversary of being a cancer survivor. And I will be participating in the Rise of Hope Twitch streams on September 20th at Rise of Iron launch. In addition to this, I will be doing the world's first run with my partner over here, David, and a couple of us other Technodrome members. Uh, My charity, the the charity that I will be collecting funds for will be the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I know that without donations to great groups like LLS, I would not be here today. To help out with this great cause, please visit www.gofundme.com slash 2QM39 G6K for donations and come watch me explore the plague lands on September 20th at www.twitch.tv slash go to NRG. Don't forget to check out www.lls.org to learn about blood cancers that involve the very young, the very old among us, and learn about this great charity of LLS. And with that, we continue our discussion from last week regarding Rise of Iron. As you know, Game Informer has been putting out information, it seems almost daily, about Rise of Iron. And these are some of the things that we have noticed and we want to discuss. First off, there's an arc version, or what looks to be an arc version, of a Scorch Cannon that will be used in missions involving Sieve Infection. And you take the Scorch Cannon and you shoot the arc shot into, say, some sort of node to charge it up. Now, when we were when they were going through the plague lands or whatever mission it was, they were using that same scorch cannon on a perfected fallen walker to destroy pieces of its leg and shoot it into its neck. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems kind of weird that they're rehashing a previous weapon, um, and I'm. It's kind of cool to see them use the scorch cannon again. But it just seems kind of weird that they're changing, just changing the element and changing the function. What do you think, Dave? Well, I mean, 
the Scorch Can was really cool in House of Wolves, and obviously we're still kind of dealing with Fallen here, so they probably like, oh, we'll take the Scorch Can and we'll mix it up. We'll say it's Siva Scorch Can or something like that now. I have nothing wrong. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with it because it, it was fun to use. It's a cool little thing. It's always fun when you get, like, special weapons in games. So, I mean, adding that in, I, there's nothing wrong with it for me. I, I don't know if it's going to be anything super special, though. Watch them call it the perfected Scorch Cannon. <laughs> Oh. Because it's Siva and it has to be perfected. If everything's uh, perfected, it's going to get kind of old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the the next few things that we're going to be discussing is going to be more lore-oriented. And this is kind of important to establishing the tone and the basically the end game that we're going for here. What are we looking for? What is the main goal? So the main story of Rise of Iron, which we already knew, was going to involve Lord Saladin and his fight against Siva, but we'd never realized how deep the story was going to go. Um, everything with regards to the story of the Rise of Iron involves the actual history of the Tower and the Guardians themselves. And we learned uh, in the video from August 12th that the Iron Wolves and the Iron Lords are actually one and the same, and that there are literally tons of Iron Lords that were the original faction and laid the groundwork for all the factions and everything with regards to the city and destiny. Uh, the Iron Lords were the precursors to Guardians, and so were Warlords. Warlords were the quote-unquote dark Guardians who used the Traveler's power for personal gain. And they were talking about the wars between warlords and the different iron lords who basically established law and order at a time when there was no law, no order, and no nobody to take the reins. So it's it's kind of cool to see that 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 start right there. And then they're also talking about how Ephrodite will be in Rise of Iron and will be involved in future events and expansions outside of Rise of Iron, and is a younger character. Uh, did you catch any of that, uh, David, when, when you were going through uh, the different videos and, 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 and stuff that Game Informer put up? So, um, unfortunately for me, I worked all day yesterday. Wah, 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 uh, yeah, wah. I know. It's, I'm going on vacation, though, so they like super scheduled me. So I did not get a chance to watch the video that came out yesterday yet. I'm going to watch it, though. I mean, I have Liar. like a three-hour layover at an airport, so Liar. I need something to do. And, uh, and you know, I, even having not watched it, hearing all this stuff, and like you've told me about some of it, like it sounds awesome. It sounds like they're still trying to push this story more towards being an actual story, which I love. Um, yeah, it, it, the warlords and regular guardians thing to me, I told you, it sounds kind of like Star Wars, like the Sith and the Jedi, but I'm okay with that because I love Star Wars and Ephrodite being involved. It's awesome. Now you had mentioned, and a couple of streamers had mentioned the theory about Ephrodite being the stranger, which I think would be baller. But then you said that's not probably going to happen, but you never told me why. So explain why. So the big story that was going on yesterday was that some uh, some individual, and I, I wish I had it in front of me, put down this theory that Ephrodite and the Stranger are one and the same. That the Stranger is basically the future version of Ephrodite. Now, we don't know anything about Ephrodite. And 
the big thing that would put a stop to Everty being the stranger would be the fact that up until now, we know that all Exos have had the like a number attached to them. Ariana, uh, Ariana, Ariana Six, I believe. Uh, Kate Six, uh, Banshee. He has a number too. Forty-four, right? Yep, I believe so. So all all these different Exos have a number which corresponds to how many times they've had their mind wiped. Which Banshee, the fact that he is forty-four, that's ridiculous. Um. So, but the the whole argument at the same time, too, is, well, the stranger doesn't have a number as of yet. We we just know her as the stranger. And everything involving the stranger is that she's not a guardian. They say she's not from light, or she said she's not from light. But... That doesn't mean that she might not have been, and she just doesn't remember. So it, so everything involving the, the stranger possibly being Efferty, the, the whole rumor and, and, and everything that they're putting together there involves a very convoluted way that, while very possible, probably is not plausible because of the way the story is going. So we we have to see what's going on when Rise of Iron comes out. What kind of individual effort it is, and it very well well may be that when you become an Iron Lord, your name changes. So we'll we'll see. I, it would not surprise me if one of the Iron Lords that we are studying about was in fact an Exo. It just doesn't make sense that I mean you have. Titans, you have warlocks, and you have hunters in the Iron Lords, but none of them are going to be Exo. None of them are going to be um. Oh, what's the other Awoken. one? Awoken. Awoken. Be a like, little it, racist it, if they weren't. Uh, <laughs> not really. Where 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 I was going with that? Okay, <laughs> David here standing up for the rights of every man. He is. He is. He is the all American man. Anyway. Oh man. So 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 we'll we'll have to see when when we actually see Ephrodite in the tower, who's supposed to be some sort of vendor that we talk to. What she's vending, we don't know yet. Hopefully, her gun. Oh, okay. <laughs> Every gun gets final round. Oh God. <laughs> no, that rocket launcher over there, it gets final round. No, that'd be actually that wouldn't even be that bad. Except it probably destroys stuff when it distances there. Just stupid. Right. Um, so, I just so sorry, I cut you off. But no, I was going to say two little bits of speculation. Just kind of listening to you, that would be fun. Like they're probably not even true at all. But one, um, what if the stranger is actually a warlord? If she says she's not from light, you know, just kind of as you were talking about it and thinking about it. And two, what if technically the stranger could be working for Ephrodite instead of for Osiris, like everyone has assumed. I mean, there there's many many different options that they can go. the 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 main thing that I think that they're trying to do is they're trying to establish the groundwork of what the guardians are about because we really don't know why there are guardians. True. I mean, the 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 whole argument is that this that the traveler came by and empowered us with light, but we know that there was a dark age. We know that there was 
a moment when, you know, we didn't have the traveler. So that's what they're going to be talking about here. The moment when we didn't have the traveler, when everything is going to shit. It almost feels like, I mean, this could just be to me though, but it almost feels like they had where they wanted the story to go and now they're changing it and not really caring about what Vanilla Vanilla Destiny said. Because it just kind of seems like Vanilla Destiny presented it as Guardians have been there since the beginning of the world as we know it. And now they're like, oh, there's time before we had Dark Guardians or Warlords and the Iron Lords and all this stuff's coming out now, but it seems like three years ago that was never the plan. Oh, I, I, I definitely guarantee you that, that this was never the plan. What, where they're going it at right now, this was never meant to be what, what it is. They had completely different plans. I mean, it, you can tell that they were going in, in the direction heavy of the, the, that the first part was going to be everything Hive and stopping the Hive threat. And then the next part was going to be involving Osiris. And then they just took a hard stop, right? Because yeah. everything, everything was leading up to what is Osiris? Who is Osiris? Where, where, where is he so that we can link up with him? And the crow, because I mean, you're seeing it in the bits and pieces that we have storyline wise, and just everything that that was there. You you don't have a random quote from a character called Osiris in the mission to Shrines of Oryx, and then all of a sudden he's no longer speaking, no longer available at all. That just seemed kind of weird, like. You don't involve you don't involve a voice actor. Have them record only one line, and that be that. True. I I I I, I don't I don't buy that at all. So I I think that whatever direction they were going, I I don't even I I, I almost guarantee you the original version of the Destiny storyline didn't even involve Oryx at least this time this whatever version they had right now, and they didn't want to involve him this early. It seems like they wanted they they used Oryx to clean out the original storyline and move on to something completely new. Yeah, that could be completely true. And you know, uh, as we do play through this story, which I hope is good, and you know, they have that new writer who helped with this one, so uh, I'm sure it'll be decent. Um, my only worry is that at the end of this story, there's another cliffhanger. Because right now we're just building up cliffhangers, the Cabal cliffhanger, the Eris Morn cliffhanger. Like, I don't want another cliffhanger where I have to be like, oh, do I have to wait three years now to find out what this cliffhanger was about? Yeah, they they actually mentioned they mentioned that the, that at the end of the video yesterday, where they want to put out as much of the story as possible, but they want to do it in a quote unquote satisfying way. And if they just answered all the questions, what is the darkness? What is the light? What is um, what is everything involving Eris Morn? Why are there guardians? They they went over the different things that they were that that we want answers to. They were like, oh yeah, you know, we we have great plans for this, and but but we want to do it in a satisfying way. The problem is we're coming up on year three, and things from year one such as who the stranger was talking to 
when she did that little you know sidebars like yes i know that pull or or turn the 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 engine on and and whatever and and we don't know like what is that storyline going i mean even in taking king the 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 end sequence i will not fail by eris morn what just like what is her end game like why are you just completely skipping over that and then moving on to something else? Right, and now we have to wait years of her just sitting in the tower next to us, hoping she's not evil to find, try and figure out what she's doing. It's like, I don't like, like I understand that they want to keep things like as a question, but I mean, you need to answer the questions you present before you present more questions. It just seems like they're 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 leading up to. It, 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 you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the situation that Disney is currently facing with regards to uh, Avengers Infinity War, where they have all these different things that they're leading up to, but there's no satisfying resolution in the now. For, and I know we're going a little off tangent, but this is it, it's a good analogy. It, it, just humor me for a second. <laughs> So everything with regards to Avengers Infinity War is leading up to Thanos and everything with the Infinity Gauntlet. We all know that. We know that that's, that's going to be the end game and that's going to be cool when it happens. Problem is, getting there, there's all these minor enemies or who were major enemies in the comics that they're using and then they're killing off and killing off and there's no real like rhyme or reason. There, it's just to get from point A to point B so that we can talk about Avengers eventually. It's the same concept here, like, okay, you have one and another and another, but you're not really nipping at the main storyline. There's no storyline resolution for certain things, or there's no clean way to really talk about items involving, say, the darkness or the Traveler. Or who the speaker is, and 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 why uh, we have factions, why Osiris is over there, and Mercury, why Saint Fourteen was in the Eastern uh, Dead, the Euro- European Dead Zone. Just they're, they're they have all these different storylines and everything in Grimoire, which will continue. They heavily hinted that there is a lot of story in Grimoire for the current here and now. But what happened to all these storylines that were just like, oh, we're cutting it off right there. Oh, we're cutting it off right there. Oh, we're covering it off right there. Oh, you, you took out that many. Uh, can't talk about it now. No, oh, we're done. Oh, God. Yeah, what happened to the speaker? Because now when we took down the Vex, he gave a speech. But when we took down Oryx, he didn't even blink an eye at us. Well, he, he didn't say anything storyline-wise, as in the main game. In the flavor text of when you complete the the mission, uh, there is a there is a quote from Zavala where he goes to the speaker and says that, that you stopped the threat. The speaker was quiet and said something about uh, the the guardian is powerful or something along those lines. And then it, Zavala was like, I, "I believe that's the speaker's way of saying he appreciates what you've done." So he's freaking Chancellor Palpatine. Let's turn to evil. Right. <laughs> so I, I mean, the, the, everything involving the, the speaker, like there's there's huge question marks and no resolution. 
And at a certain point, you got to touch on these themes. You got to push the story forward. Because right now we just have event arises and ends. And then there's a cliffhanger. Event arises, cliffhanger, and... Yeah. Anyway. Um, let's move on to the actual... Uh, an- another piece of the story, which is actually about the Crucible. There is a story behind the Crucible. And everybody knows that Lord Shaq created the Crucible as a way to continuously test guardians and to get them strong and, and to get them, you know, sharp for battles with darkness ahead. But Lord Shax's version of the crucible is all about the weapons and the guardians ability to wield those weapons and to establish strong tactics. Lord Saladin was all about using the guardians light for power. He's very, very adamant that your light is your greatest weapon. And this is the storyline explanation for how the Iron Banner has uh, light affecting Guardians, whereas the Crucible does not. And they're going to touch on the history between Lord Shax and Lord Saladin, which, if anybody's read any of the flavor text or any story between... um, Lord Saladin and Lord Shax, you know that there is a frosty relationship there. That they don't like each other. And that Zavala is usually in the middle of the two of them. Like, uh, hi. So uh, it, it's cool that they're involving the Crucible in a more storyline way. And offering a reason for us being there. Uh, and another thing not really storyline related is more with uh, the faction packages, where there's going to be three choices from now on, a weapon, armor, or a third choice for whenever you level up your faction. And the third choice is most likely for ghosts, ships, and shaders. But in addition to those ships and shaders, uh, in Rise of Iron, ghosts are available in packages and are in addition to, not in place of, armor and weapons. And this also includes Variks, the Vanguard, and the Crucible. So if you get a drops and a ghost drops, you're not only going to get a ghost, you're also going to get, say, a piece of armor or a piece of weapon or a ship, a shader, or something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I like that. I think it's cool that they're giving you choices, but in a way, to me, it kind of makes things even less special. Like, it just seems like we're going less away from year one style rng which i mean i'm sure a ton of people are happy with but to me it just kind of makes every drop you get a little less special and i don't like that but here's the thing it it, they're trying to offer a solution to the way things are right now which isn't good i mean it, it every time you level up let's say you're going for shadow price you can't get shadow price because you got your the fifth uh what is it Longbow synthesis. Let's just use that for example. Oh, yeah. Bummer. What? (laughs) If I got five longbow synthesis, that'd be pretty happy. Well, I mean, for you, yeah. But (laughs) for for other players, like, let's say that they're looking for the hand cannon or they're looking for a headpiece or something like that. Right. But this isn't going to change that because this will just be you pick a weapon up, you get a random weapon. If you got five longbows and you want a shadow price, well, you got five longbows. Try again. This is making it so. Uh, when you go to the Vanguard, you're like, oh, uh, let me try and get a longbow. Oh, I got their gloves again that are at crappy light. 
Well, like here, here's here's the thing: the fact that they're letting you choose makes me believe that there's going to be a lot more weapons that are going to drop from faction packs. Well, I'm hoping that they don't do away with the weapons that drop right now, like those year one weapons. I hope those stay as droppable. As droppable. Droppable. In the loot table. In the droppable loot table. Yes. Is there droppable? Yeah. Anyway, um. <laughs> I, I, I believe that, that the reason that they're offering choice now is because there's going to be way more loot than we have right now. It would not surprise me if they left, say, Shadow Price, Longbow, all that stuff in there, considering that they're going to go through the, the trouble of making every class item in, that was in the game available makes me believe that they are going to leave that stuff in there. And then just bring a lot more stuff that was in year one. Yeah, except or you can't get the multi glass class item up for sex. Right. So, so it, it, I think that they're they're because they're they're talking a lot about legacy and history and your previous experiences with the game. So, because they're going to go there, makes me believe that they're really going to touch on that heavily and play on that nostalgia feeling. Is like, oh, I got the. A righteous eight with or what? What's the uh, auto rifle that was in year two from New Monarchy that was really good? Doesn't matter. I think it was righteous seven, not righteous eight. Was it righteous seven? It was righteous something. Righteous seven sounds right. So, so there was a whole bunch of different weapons that was in, say, uh, Dark Below and the House of Wolves that you could use that, that were really cool. People. Had a lot of fun with. It'd be cool if you could get, you know, the devil you don't and the devil you know again, like the two versions of those guns. So it wouldn't surprise me if if there's so much more gear and items that you would be more tempted to be like, you know what? I'm good on armor. Let me get weapons. And I know this guy has one, two, and three that I want. But I only have a chance of getting one of those three out of, say, a loot table of 20. Because they brought back everything. Right, and if that does happen, it's also slightly a problem because they did say that they currently have no plans to expand vault places further. And I know a lot of people have filled up their vault because they're collectors already, even after this newest expansion of space. And now they're making it so like you can go back, you can get all your own class items, you can upgrade them. You'll be able to upgrade everything from Taken King plus everything new in Rise of Iron if people already have full vault space, and that's going to be small problem for collectors. Is it? Yes, because you'll have to delete stuff. Well, like, the, the reason I say that is, let's say that you've been holding on to that old Devil You Don't, and let's say Devil You Don't came back. But I don't you, think you'll be able to infuse the old ones, just like you weren't able to infuse the old ones when they brought back them in right, this right, April update. But my, my argument is, if they brought back Devil You Don't, and you had the old one. Oh, and you're saying you can delete the old one. And have you could delete the old one, get a new one that is has more utility now, yet still looks the same, still performs the same way, will have new perks and is balanced. Yeah, I mean, that's true, but I don't think they're going to bring back any more guns than they already have brought forward. Mm, I did, It wouldn't surprise me. Again, they're playing on nostalgia and the feeling that you had in year one. And it, if they're going to, as I mentioned, if they're going to go through the trouble of bringing back all the class items 
and they see how easy it is to bring back year one weapons and make them viable in the game again, why wouldn't you want to bring back all the other weapons as well? Make it so that instead of having to bring back exotics, which they can't do anymore, except for a couple minor few exotics that they that they left behind in year one, make it so that they're, every time they do a patch or a the spring update or whatever they want to call it, they make it so that it's nothing but year one weapons. Yeah, I guess that's true, but um, I mean, if they do it, I don't think it'll be with Rise of Iron. Then I think it will be at a later a later time, an update, kind of like the April update right of ever, or like say when SR um, L comes back in December, then they bring Searle. Searle. Searle comes back. Searle. Uh, I mean, they somebody did. actually said that to me, and I, I, Searle, I someone I, said Searle. I, I muted my mic. I was I'm laughing. done. I'm done. Like, yo, Corey, let's go, <laughs> let's go play some Searle. I was like, what? What are you talking about? I was like, Searle, you know, the thing went on Sparrow, the Searle. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> oh. Did you not ever click on the mode? She says it right there, S-R-L. <laughs> oh, my God. Let's play Searle. Um, oh, 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 it hurt my soul. So, with that, I think we really touched on a, a whole bunch of stuff from Rise of Iron, I think it's safe to say I'm really, really excited. I'm I'm anticipating this DLC. I already know that the story is not going to be that long, but wait, given wait. that there's so much to time do out, with we have two things we didn't we didn't talk about, Jorge. Okay, one the Iron Song. Oh yes. So there's an there's a song called the Iron Song, and I believe sung by Scory. Who was if I'm not mis- um, if I'm not mixing the people up I'm almost positive it's Scory. She's the one who is the recorder of history for the Iron Lords, and she's the main reason why we know the Iron Lords exist to this day, because she kept full records of what was going on, and she created a song that is at least internal in Bungie. They haven't mentioned whether or not the actual Iron Song is in the game. But a theory that I have, this is just a theory, I have no proof other than the fact that there are bells that are in the, uh, in Fellwinter's Peak, that if you hit in a specific order, something happens. Possibly. Now, this is just based on the fact that they said, oh, you know, I wonder if you hit those bells in a specific order, if it'll do anything. And they just started, <laughs> like. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that, yeah. That, I, I'm not sure if that was insulting or not. But they yeah. dropped a hint. Or they Maybe. dropped a false basketball court style hint. That is a huge false flag if there if it is just, you know. Because <laughs> I can guarantee you, you're just going to see people just continuously hit square, 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 square. I'm hitting the <laughs> bell. I'm hitting the bell. I mean, if there are six bells, it would make sense. I don't know how many bells they said there were. There's at least three because the one room that you go or the one area you go in, there's like you're surrounded by them. So, I, I, I all I gotta say is it'd be cool if the puzzle involved where you have to have six people in your fire team and you have to hit each hit your own bell at a specific time. That would be very cool. So, and then the other thing we did not mention, um, the new Iron Banner ship is actually just the old Iron Banner ship cleaned up with the Iron Banner symbol on it. 
and I think this is lazy. Uh, if you guys want to take a look at it, uh, go into the show notes that we will be providing. Um, basically, it's the Bungie.net, and if you go to the uh, the TWAB this week at Bungie, you see front and center the Iron Banner ship. All it is is the original ship cleaned up, and it has the Iron Banner insignia, the tree, over it. I mean, is it lazy? Yes. Possibly. But I will say this. It, they, they are playing on the whole thing of nostalgia. They want nostalgia to be the, the main driving force here. So do I have a problem with it? Eh, you know, it's okay. I don't, I don't think it's a huge, huge thing. I, I, I doubt that that's the only ship that's going to be in, in Iron Banner. Or they just may they just they may just make it so that the Iron Banner has that ship, but the Iron Lords drop another ship. So it's okay. I I don't think it's that terrible. It, it, but it is another example of them just reusing the same assets instead of creating something new. Anyway, with that, we're going to go ahead and close up our discussion of Rise of Iron. David, why don't you go ahead and talk about Mash Those Buttons? Mash Those Buttons is your ultimate resource for video game commentary, reaction, and involvement by a variety of opinionated and informed gamers who love gaming of all kinds. Covering a large swath of gaming, we cover the latest news and information on the games you care about and always provide unfiltered commentary and fun. Check out all the killer podcasts available today on Mash Those Buttons Network at www.mashthosebuttons.com. All right. And with that, we're going to go ahead and jump into a little bit of Crucible talk and the last Iron Banner of year two, question mark. Uh, this Iron Banner coming up on the 16th of August will be Clash. And the rewards will be the hand cannon, Vanilla's Peril, the shotgun, Deidre's Retort, the helmet, and the chest. So, there's really not much to talk about this coming Iron Banner. But, this is a theory that David had. And it would line up with things that we've done previously. Yes. The theory that he has is, this isn't going to be the last Iron Banner. And that we are, in fact, going to get an Iron Banner before, the week before Rise of Iron comes out. And David, that yep, David, you want to go ahead and talk a little bit about your theory? Well, yeah, I just think that um, this won't be the last Iron Banner of year two, solely because if you think about it, we have just over a month. Iron Banner lines up in a month's time. It would make perfect sense for me for them to bring back Iron Banner one last time of year two right at the very end, the last week of it, before Rise of Iron releases. It would get everybody on that um, Iron Banner grind. You'd be feeling the Iron Banner uh, hype. Possibly they could do something new with it. Um, maybe make it like Rift again or some game mode that we don't usually play in Iron Banner. Uh, maybe release something new with it. Kind of like there was... Uh, the big week before Taken King was, uh, there was that, uh, I think it was 2.0, the update that dropped and all the guns were different. And there was just a week before Taken King where no one knew what to use and everyone was using everything. Something like that could possibly happen again with um, Iron Banner coming back. Maybe they do something special and have like 
twice as many weapons or something available. Maybe it's just a regular Iron Banner. I don't know. I just feel like Iron Banner will come the week before Rise of Iron. Yeah, jumping on a little bit of what David just said there, um, it wouldn't surprise me if Iron Banner did happen that week before Rise of Iron came out and it was a giant preview to what's to come. If we remember, before um, Dark Below, that they started doing the Blades of Crota, and then that week before, that weekend before the um, uh, the House of Wolves, wolves were prowling about, and the tower was open up, and there were some um, some bounties that you can get from Petra in the tower. They they did the whole Queen's Wrath, uh, Queen's Wrath again, yes. And then the week before Taken King came out, they did the giant preview where you could you you could play uh, Rift and you could play Mayhem. Um, Mayhem. So there was a lot of stuff that you could do that week before the game came out that got you excited, or that got those last few people excited to play the next DLC and expansion. So could they do something like that? And would they use the Iron Banner? To help push this game or to get people excited, it would be an easy thing to implement and say you got a year three reward from doing this last Iron Banner that you wouldn't have gotten before. Say let's 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 pretend that the last Iron Banner of year two involves gear one Iron Banner gear leveled up. People would be like, oh my god, I have to play this Iron Banner. Because I got that cape again, and I want to be able to use it at, at the max light. I could easily see them doing something like that, rather than giving you brand brand new gear, but bringing up old stuff that you can collect in year three, in in, in the last Iron Banner. It'd be a cool little thing. There's also uh, my other reason why I think it is. I'm pretty sure it hasn't been a full month since Iron Banner. I think it's only been three weeks. And I think the only reason they would do like a change of the week is to push it so that they could push one last one before Rise by. Mm-hmm. So one thing I kind of wanted to also talk about is our thoughts on what the game mode supremacy will be like and how it will affect Iron Banner for year three. And the reason I bring up supremacy is we already know that it's going to be the first game mode for Iron Banner in year three. By the way, you notice throughout this podcast, we've been mentioning year three. And the re- main reason that we've been mentioning year three is in yesterday's Game Informer video, and yesterday being August the 12th, they actually used the term year three in the video to dis- describe I- items happening in Rise of Iron. And this is the first time that we've seen somebody in Bungie. Maybe it was an accident, maybe not. But considering how heavily scripted and how, you know, they would be talking about certain things, Bungie would be with regards to this game, it seems interesting that that the individual actually was talking about year three. That's why we've been using that term year three throughout this podcast. Anyway, um, I wanted to discuss what we thought Supremacy was going to affect be like and how it was going to affect the Iron Banner in year three. And I wanted to start with you, David. Uh, what do you think the effects of supremacy will be on year three? Do you believe that it'll be like 
Iron Banner rift where everybody just trashes on it? Or do you think that it'll be more warmly received than rift? Um, I think it will be more warmly received because it obviously is a game mode, at least um, at first glance, because we haven't had time to play it. But it's obviously a game mode that looks like it will be better for single players, teams of two, teams of three. And unfortunately, that's what kind of drives the opinion towards how well the game mode works in Iron Banner, because there are these people that want to play alone. Um, and they very much will voice their negative opinions if they can't, which I think is a bummer because Rift is still the most fun Iron Banner I've ever played because it was so teamwork oriented. And when we had a good team online, we'd stop kids in about three minutes. And that was fun. It was fun to work as a team and feel the success of a team, almost like working through a raid as a team. Um, I don't think it will have any negative impacts. It looks like it's going to be a good game mode. It looks like they've taken their time to balance it and make it work properly. Obviously, if there are, I mean, are weird problems with it, like engrams disappear or you can't get picked up when you kill people, then obviously it's going to suck. But the I, iron I, lag. Yeah, the iron lag. Uh, I doubt that will happen, but if it does, that would be the only way it would have negative effects in my mind. I am of the mindset that it's going to be impossible to cater any Iron Banner to anybody. There are going to be those that are going to say this should be a team-based activity and that if you cannot handle being in a team, you should get stomped. And that'll irk the heck out of people who believe that you should, uh, you should have options to max light in Crucible for everybody, no matter what. But I, I keep going to this. Iron Banner is an end game activity. It's meant to be done with teammates. And I want to feel for people who play this game solo. But I have to say, this might not be the game for you if you're playing it solo. There's just, you cannot fully experience everything this game has to offer if you're playing it by yourself. My thoughts on Supremacy is... You're gonna, I mean, you obviously have to get kills and get the engrams. But knowing that your kills mean squat until you have the confirmation, the kill confirmed, means that there's going to be a lot of people frustrated with that game mode, knowing that they got no points because they got sniped after they killed somebody, and then somebody else came around and picked it up. Like, there's, there's going to be so many people who are just going to complain saying, I couldn't level up because I couldn't win. But here's the thing. We don't know how we level up exactly in year three with Iron Banner because that's changing. We just know certain things are going out and that it's going to be easier to get to level five. But we don't know how this leveling system is going to work exactly. Right. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to present, it will present strategy changes, like you're saying. It's not all about just getting kills. And I mean... It's going to give big changes for like our team dynamic when we play. Whenever um, we play Iron Banner, we have very set roles. And my set role is always the Slayer. No matter what game mode we've played, when I was Rift, I was pushed to front line to be the Slayer. When it's Control, I'm pushed to front of B to be the Slayer. And now I can't really do that because it doesn't mean anything for me to slay. So it's, it's going to be fun to change up a game mode like this and make everybody play different roles. I think it's going to encourage the mid-range game more. That's the one thing. I, I think hand cannons 
are going to be huge. Uh-huh. I think shotguns are going to be huge. Uh-huh. I th- I think that yes, I'm going to go there. I'm sorry, people, but fusion rifles is going to be. <laughs> But the reason I say that is it just makes sense for those three weapons, like auto rifles, hand cannons, fusion rifles, shotguns, the mid to close range game, because you're going to want to be close enough to get that engram. You're going to want to confirm that kill to get the points. If if you don't play the mid-range game, you're not going to be close enough to get the engrams or to you know say, yo, I got uh, there's an engram over here, pick it up. Whereas with the long-range sniper... Like, for example, your Jade Rabbit, your Sniper Rifle. The only Scout Rifle that's going to be really, really viable in that game mode is going to be the Mata Multi-Tool. Because the other Scout Rifles are more long-range and and encourage that long-range engagement. It's going to change the dynamic on on how to really, you know, play the mid-range game. And those that master it... Master that mid-range game. A blade dancer is going to be disgusting in that game mode. Yeah, because you got the kill and the pickup. I mean, I think it's also going to rely on like what map you're on, though. Because if you're on a pretty open map, a very viable strategy would be to run two great snipers in the back, two mid-range players to protect them and protect their front lines, and then two people who are going to go in and get their hands dirty with close-range kills and pickups. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see how... I'm pretty sure everybody's going to play Supremacy the first week, the way they do normal Crucible, and then quickly realize that a lot of those strategies that you had before are going to go out the window. That's just my thoughts. Uh, David, you're, you came from a heavy Call of Duty background. You've played Kill Confirmed. What was your strategy at that time? How did you play? Uh, well, Kill Confirmed, you have to keep in mind, kills did make a difference in sort of picking up team things. But when I played Kill to Confirm with a team, we literally wolf packed around the entire map. So we'd play six people running together. And mm-hmm. if someone goes down, you pick up their tags and you kill people on top of them and pick up their, their uh, tags. It was a very close quarters game mode the way me and my team would play it when we played Kill Confirm. It was all about being right by the tags at all time. No tag left behind. If a teammate goes down, you wait in a spot for that teammate to regroup with you, and then you keep moving on as a wolf pack. And that was how you could basically win kill confirm every single time. Now, random thought. Would you be interested, more interested in this mode if you could revive your teammate? Mm. Or do you think that would be too unbalanced? I... No, I don't think revives fit in this game mode. I think if you die and you're going to drop an ingram and you can pick up your teammate's ingram, um, I think that is the same as in in place of a revive. I think you should get points for picking up your teammate's ingram, but I mean, I guess denying the other team's points is a point all on its own. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I I just think as you mentioned, you were playing wolf packs close range. Do you think that auto rifles and hand cannons are going to be the way to go? Uh, hand cannons are always the way to go. You need to sit down. <laughs> no, um, I think that a lot of people will utilize the auto rifles and hand cannons to get in your face. Um, depending on, I mean, obviously, we assume there will be a weapons patch with this update. So we don't know where the last word will stand after that update. 
But the last word has always been a big player. It is still a big player. And I think in this type of game mode, it will continue to be a big player because being in someone's face and being able to kill them quickly is going to be huge. Unfortunately, shotguns will probably play a huge role. And those who are good with fusion rifles will uh, utilize them. <laughs> this is me. That's me. <laughs> That's me right there. Okay. Um. So, as he mentioned, there's no proof, but given that every every time there's been a DLC, there's some sort been it somewhat of an accompanying patch. Do you think that there's going to be a patch that last week before Rise of Iron? Probably. Um, I would put my money more on there being one than there not being one. Uh, it's James Wisniewski. Is how you say his last name, right? With um, news. Uh, that was my guess at how you say it. I think it's right. But he has said in the past that the game is never balanced. It'll never be balanced. And it always has to be updated. And I think that's very true. And it just mainly relies on how people are playing the game at the time, what needs to be changed. And I don't think they won't. I don't think they would let it go any longer without bringing in a slight weapons balance. Obviously, the Crucible is more balanced than it's been in a long time right now. And I think, as we've discussed, the only real problems are that high rate of fire guns, any high rate of fire archetype, dominates the lower rate of fires. So any tweak they can do to help that out would be great. But, I mean, they're probably not going to mess with too much. If anything, it'll just be this exotic rifle gets adjusted, this exotic gets adjusted, especially with new exotics coming in. They're going to have to do a few updates and... Maybe you will see some 0.04 changes to certain guns. So, I mean, John Wisniewski will be at Gamescom. And usually whenever he's at at an event, he does heavily talk about the balance or how certain guns work. So it would not surprise me if at Gamescom, he mentioned that there would be a patch. After all, kind of teasing what we're going to be talking about next um next week we will be recording a gigantic pvp cavalcade as i mentioned where we will go into details of pvp and things that we want to see uh our reaction to items from gamescom and what we believe uh needs to happen we've already been discussing about it a lot um over the past few weeks we'll have new guests people who have not been on the show before and um, who I believe have a lot to offer with regards to opinions that things that I believe that should be brought up in the game. Um, because I want to involve as many people in this show that show different examples of what we expect from the game. So it, it, take a, stay tuned for next week. Next week's going to be a very, very fun show. Um, it's gonna, there's going to be a lot of opinion, a lot of discussion. I can't wait to get uh, you, you guys' thoughts on what we what we're thinking about with regards to the Crucible. And I want you guys to get involved. Any listeners who are listening, um, as we mentioned at the end of every show, um, if you have any questions, please send them over to inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're going to be discussing a lot of Crucible, and I do want to get your thoughts on Crucible, on the, on the Rise of Iron. Lots of discussion about what year three is about and what possibly possibly year four is going to be about since we may have to talk about that sooner rather than later 
Um, but before, you know, we wrap this baby up, was there anything you want to discuss, uh, anything you want to bring up, David, before we, uh, you know, go down the, the dusty path and, and trail? Yeah, uh, just that I will apologize to John Wisniewski, because I called him James Wisniewski, if he ever were to listen to this show. Wisniewski? But that's just because that's a hockey player name. He's in great Nerd. Um, so one thing we do want to mention is that this coming Tuesday, um, in addition to it being the Iron Banner start date, uh, there will be the Gamescom stream August 16th at 10 a.m., um, where they're going to be discussing the Supremacy game mode and Crucible in a heavy, heavy fashion. They're also going to be talking about the final piece of that Crucible puzzle, which they've been hinting at. For the longest time, um, and we believe that there's going to be a lot of surprises coming out this Tuesday. Private game matches, um, that we don't know about that, um, what that, that people have been asking for. Private matches, and that, um, do you get? Do you have cough, brother man? I I, I have okay? something. In my, I have something in my throat. I'm oh. I'm sorry. I'll make, I'll make sure to edit this out. Yeah, right. <laughs> Private game matches. Uh, oh, God, man. That, that one sounded... Ugh, I think you're developing a tick. Oh, that's a little bit of a tick. <laughs> Private game matches. All right. So with that, David, <laughs> let's wrap this bad boy up. All right. We want to thank you all for listening to In Orbit. Let you know we are available on a ton of platforms. So please make sure you spread the word. We're on SoundCloud. We're on iTunes. Google Play Music, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, Pocket Casts, and we also have an RSS feed, and the link is available to that on www.mashthosebuttons.com. Make sure to check out the other shows on Mash Those Buttons Network. We have Double Tap, our podcast dedicated to fighting games and the fighting community, released bi-weekly on Wednesdays. Wow Talk, our podcast dedicated to World of Warcraft, released bi-weekly on Tuesdays. Watchpoint Radio, our podcast dedicated to Overwatch, available weekly on Wednesdays. SitRep Radio, our podcast dedicated to The Division, released weekly on Wednesdays. Frontline Radio, our podcast dedicated to Battlefield and Battlefront, once a month on the third week of the month. And of course, We Are in Orbit, your resource for Destiny news and commentary, available bi-weekly on Monday. For any question regarding scheduling, check matchthosebuttons.com slash schedule for all scheduling details. You can definitely check us out on www.twitter.com slash mtb site. And site is spelled S-I-T-E. Facebook.com slash mash those buttons. YouTube.com slash mash those buttons. David, where can people find you at? You can find me on Twitter at DS underscore Bolt. And streaming on Twitch, twitch.tv slash DSBolt. I will also be taking part in Jorge's stream, but all donations made will to my channel will just be linked directly to Jorge's thing. So feel free to check either of us out. We're going to be playing nonstop. Yep. Um, so as he mentioned, the stream is going to be taking place on the 20th. And in addition to that, I will also be streaming the world's first runs that we're going to be doing. Hopefully you guys are watching us there. Hopefully we can make it pretty far and, and you know get to that final boss. Um, and you can definitely contact us with any questions at inorbitpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, my contact information, you can find me pretty much anywhere. Twitter, 
PSN, go to NRG. That's Geo, the number two NRG. I'm on twitch.tv slash go to NRG. And you can find us at Technodrome at www.facebook.com slash groups slash guardians of the Technodrome. And you can also check our website at thetechnodrome.club. My prior events are not a memory. It is momentum. It advances, leads, and controls, points and directs, shapes and forms. I may not enjoy what lies in front of me, but as in any story, past needs resolution. We are the authors, the finishers of our fate. What is in my past is my prologue. What is in my future is my destiny. And on behalf of the entire In Orbit team, we thank you for listening to our show. And as always, we'll see you on the next mission. Your destiny falls. Your destiny falls.